Amen. Acts chapter 10, we are in our Acts series called Unstoppable. Someone say unstoppable. Amen. The church of Jesus Christ is unstoppable. And we're going to look at Acts chapter 10, verse number 9. 10 verse 9. Amen. Word of God says, the next day as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened. And an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners descending to him and let down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time, What God has cleansed, you must not call common. I'm going to speak for a few moments on this thought. It'll make sense in just a few minutes. Uh, apostolic trailblazers. That's my thought today. Apostolic trailblazers. Because someone say in Jesus' name. One more time. In Jesus' name. You may be seated in God's presence. About 350 years ago, a group of Connell... Uh, colonists landed on the northeast coast of America. In the first year, they established a town. The next year, they elected a town government. Things were moving, progressing. In the third year, the government wanted to build a road just five miles westward into the open wilderness. And, and then the next year, the fourth year, the people tried to impeach their local government because they thought that it was a waste of time, energy, and money to build a road five miles into unknown territory. And the rationale of the townspeople was, who needs to go there anyways? The same people who had braved 3,000 miles of ocean crossing the Atlantic to get to this new land, were now unable to see just five miles outside of town. And within a few short years of settling comfortably into their new home, these people lost their trailblazing or pioneering spirit. And this, I think, is a cautionary tale and a sad one at that of what can happen and what often does happen in the church. Someone say amen. amen. People tend to settle in and lose the trailblazing spirit that once invigorated them, uh, propelled them possibly at the onset of their Christian faith when they were baptized, filled with the Spirit, the beginning of that journey. At some point in time, we find 
a familiar place. We find a cozy place, perhaps, in church, in the Christian life. And like these early settlers, we settle and we lose that, that fire, that trailblazing spirit to reach beyond our walls. And so I believe that God is raising up in this hour. I, I have today more than a sermon, more than just a collection of thoughts and ideas prepared to deliver to you today, but I really believe that I have a burden to transfer maybe a spiritual dream, maybe a passion into someone's heart today. And that's really the assignment that I'm on because God is raising up in this hour and in this church apostolic trailblazers. Amen. Apostolic trailblazers who are desperate to see a move of God in their, not only their personal lives, in their home and in their families, but see a move of God that takes this gospel, that takes this kingdom beyond these walls and impacts our communities and our cities for the name of Jesus. I believe that we are in that hour and that time where like never before a trailblazing spirit is needed in the body of Christ to propel us to pioneer into uncharted territories. Now, what is a trailblazer? A trailblazer is one who pioneers into a place, into a realm that has not been traversed before. Blazing a trail refers to this, this expression comes from how explorers would mark a tree in the wilderness, uh, usually uh, with, with some kind of color or paint or by a carving in the tree, a path for others to follow after them. That is what a trailblazer is. They, they, they go a path that's never been traversed before and they mark that path so that those behind them have a trail to follow. And in our text today in Acts chapter 10, which happens to be one of my personal uh, favorite chapters in all the New Testament, and uh, especially in the book of Acts, this is my favorite chapter because of what it symbolizes and represents. In this chapter we find an apostle by the name of Peter, early apostle, the first to stand and preach the very first apostolic message on the day of Pentecost. This disciple of Christ, chosen of God, became a trailblazer who saw and responded to a spiritual vision to expand the kingdom of God after the early church had settled into its place. Now I want to lay a foundation for you today. Through the use of symbolic uh, illustrations, God used the symbolism of Jewish dietary laws to communicate to Peter how that the doors of the church were going to open to the Gentile world. These were non-Jews, outsiders, without a Jewish background, without... Uh, an Abrahamic lineage. They were not part of the commonwealth of Israel. 
And such a groundbreaking move as this would have undoubtedly stirred up controversy, uh, attention, and disrupted the then religious landscape. What I need for you to understand today, it's important for you to be aware of just how groundbreaking what is taking place in this chapter is going to be. Parallel with Peter's vision that he receives while on the rooftop praying, he goes into a trance, a spiritual one, and, and, and God gives him a vision. And in this vision, he begins to see things that completely contradict the customs and the ways that he had been taught, the things that he had been brought up to believe in Judaism. He is rooted in Judaism. And so this vision goes against all of these things, these uh, laws, uh, dietary and, and ceremonial laws that have been put in place. Parallel with that, parallel with this vision, the Holy Ghost was also orchestrating the preparation of a man named Cornelius, who we'll learn about today. Cornelius was a prominent, God-fearing Roman officer of the Italian regiment. Cornelius was a centurion who oversaw a unit of roughly 100 soldiers. This was a man of great prominence. This was a man uh, of prestige. Uh, a, a man of honor, a man who had worked his way into this position and had a lot of responsibility on his shoulders. And his conversion that we read about in Acts chapter 10 became a pivotal moment in the history of the church. And it paved the way for us to receive salvation today. Can someone say amen? amen. And it showcased how God can, can blaze a trail through his people. It showcased and it exemplifies to us how God can take two opposite worlds and cause them to collide, so to speak. How God can take a man, a praying man, a man with a heart for the mission, a man with a heart for the kingdom, and touch him in such a way that would cause him to forsake and abandon certain comforts and, and, and learned ideals so that this other man who is as further, as far away as you can imagine, ideologically, religiously, economically, and, and, and stand before this man and preach the word of God to him. And for, in order for that to happen, in order for these two ends to meet, there has got to be a trailblazing spirit. One that requires deliberate action, calculated risk, and above all, a willingness to do whatever it takes to fulfill the Great Commission. Peter evangelizing Cornelius exemplifies what can happen, the possibilities Hallelujah. The amazing things that could await us when just one person, man or woman of God, is willing to heed the call of God and respond to this, to this mission that's been given to us to step out boldly in his name for the sake of the gospel. 
I believe, church, that this is the very spirit that God wants to transfer into every member of the body. Imagine with me today. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Imagine with me today what could happen if just a small group of Holy Ghost-filled, blood-washed people, what could happen if we decided that we were going to take this faith and this message that God has given us and go boldly outside of these walls and be willing to open up our hearts, our lives, and the word of God and share it with somebody who needs to know who Jesus is. Oh, hallelujah today. Imagine with me. Oh, God, give him some praise today. Imagine with me what can happen if a group of people in this hour would be filled with that kind of trailblazing spirit and attitude and say, Lord, whatever it is that you want me to do, whomever it is you'll send me to, God, I am willing to say yes. Hallelujah. I am willing to be a vessel in your hands. Clap your hands and give God some. So I may not get through every point today, but I've got to convey this to you today because the whole reason why we're going through the book of Acts is because God wants us to act. Someone say act. It's not called the intentions of the apostles. It's not the book of intentions. It's not even the book of dreams and visions. It's not called the book of desires, my friend. It's not called the book of passion. It's not because you can have all of those things and never act upon. It's called the book of Acts. Someone say Acts. Because this is what God is calling us to do. So how, how does the Holy Ghost blaze a trail through his people, I think there are a few ways. Number one is by breaking barriers. We got to break barriers. Amen, somebody. We've got to shatter whatever limitations, whatever walls and barriers and, and, and hindrances and obstacles that have been set up in our culture and in our society, in our world, that try to deflect uh, and, and, and discourage the church uh, from taking this gospel where it needs to go. The events in our text occurred roughly 10 years after the church was born on the day of Pentecost with the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in the upper room, which we have covered just a few weeks ago. But now a decade has nearly passed. And for nearly a decade, the early church was basically a homogenous group of Jewish converts. They were a, a group of like-minded individuals who shared the same culture ethnic and religious background. You need to understand that for these first 10 years, a full decade of the existence of the church, uh, they were kind of a, a singular people in that they were all kind of from the same background. And, and they had yet to cross uh, the gospel's widest dividing line. They had yet to cross the thickest barrier whom God had, or that God had called them to cross because uh, in 10 years, think about this in 10 years as existing as an apostolic church not one Gentile had been saved 
Not one Gentile, not one non-Jew had been saved and had received the gospel and been baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of their sin. Not one Gentile, non-Jew had been converted. Now a serious Bible student today may ask the question, Pastor Jacob, what about the saving of the Samaritans or the Ethiopian in Acts chapter 8? Wouldn't these qualify as barrier-breaking conversions? Well, not entirely because while these are noteworthy conversions, in each of these cases, they were still within, both of these conversion stories are still within the broader scope of Judaism because in the case of the Samaritans, they were at least half Jew. And so they uh, uh, kind of qualified for this. Uh, and in the case of the Ethiopian that we read about in Acts chapter 8, uh, he was likely uh, a, a Jewish uh, man who lived in Ethiopia or a Jewish proselyte uh, by the simple fact that when the that when the evangelist uh, uh, Philip uh, ran up to his chariot, he was already reading out of the book of Isaiah. And he explained to him, so there was a Judaism background within him already. And so that means the events that take place here in Acts chapter 10 are truly unprecedented. In the fact that here is a man by the name of Cornelius who is completely unchurched, if I can use that expression. He is completely an outsider. He has no uh, context uh, from which he can uh, uh, explain or refer to in his understanding of God. And yet within him, there is this God void. There is this uh, belief in a higher being because the Bible says that he was praying and giving alms to God. And, and you can read the story. I don't have time for today. But, but it went up as a memorial before God. God. So even though he doesn't have this Judaism context, uh, there is still this sense in him that there is something and someone greater than he. And it's the same case with every ungospeled and unconverted person that roams the streets of our society. While they may not have a church background, while they may not went to Sunday school when they were a child, uh, we are living in a very irreligious and secular society who does not even have uh, a, a Christian background so to speak in any regard but there in them still lies this missing space where tells them that there must be a God they don't know his name they don't know quite where to find him but there is an ingredient the main ingredient that is missing in their life and I believe that God is looking for trailblazers today that are willing to cross over those barriers and cross over those dividing lines and reach them because the world needs Jesus. Somebody say amen today. Come on, somebody shout amen. Oh, my God, I'm not going to get through everything today. Hallelujah, but that's all right. Someone once said that, that records are made to be broken. It seems like any time a sports figure breaks a record, the previous record holder will say something like that. I don't know if they really mean it. They're probably a little bitter that somebody broke their record, right? Uh, but the, at least in the, in the eyes of the press, they got to say something. Well, you know, records are made to be broken. Well, I want to modify that today and say that barriers are made to be broken. I believe that barriers exist just to be broken. Just to prove. That God is greater than the barrier. Oh, hallelujah, somebody. That he's greater than whatever obstacle stands 
in the way. Because somewhere, I think, uh, we have convinced ourselves, and, and if it's not for you today, if this doesn't, well, then it's for somebody needs to know this. Because somebody may have convinced themselves that there's just certain people that we can reach. <laughs> There are just certain people that are just, you know, uh, their case is too difficult. They're just too far. I don't know. But let me tell you that breaking barriers is not easy. Somewhere in the hard drive of, uh, of our minds, uh, uh, we've been programmed. We've been programmed to, to think that, you know, only certain people uh, are reachable and, and others are, are not. Ooh, Lord, help me today, Holy Ghost. Uh, many Christians, I could tell you. Have, are, have been conditioned to believe and think along these lines. Even if they don't verbally express that, just, just, just embedded in the hard drive of their minds, they have just uh, have accepted the fact that we're only going to reach a certain type of people and we're only going to reach a, a, a certain group of, of individuals. And, and whether in our lives or as a church, uh, there are just these preconceived uh, limitations that we have placed uh, uh, and barriers that we have allowed uh, to hinder what God can do. But I've come to tell you today that there is no barrier when it comes to the gospel. Oh, hallelujah, somebody. I know that for some people it's hard to imagine how this gospel can break certain cultural barriers. There are certain barriers that exist in our society. Cultural barriers, ethnic barriers, and socioeconomic barriers, language barriers, and or just the barriers of what is familiar and what is typical. And, and, and the idea that we are to only reach those that are on our side of the tracks and not those that are on the other side of the, the tracks wherever they might be but I've come to tell you today that we have got to repent from that line of thinking we've got to repent from that kind of mentality and take the limits off of God and not put God in our little boxes and say God can only move within the confines of my own historical experience no I've come today to blow that box up in the name of feel the Holy Ghost. Blow that box up in the name of Jesus and tell you that this gospel that we have is for every man. Oh God, I wish I had a witness. It's for every woman. It's for every creed and every color and every nation and every background. No matter where they come from, the gospel works. The gospel works. God, I wish I had a witness in the house of God. If you believe it, give them some praise right now if you believe it give the Lord a hand praise this gospel is for everybody and so I need to ask you today what dividing line is God calling you to cross what barrier do you need to break for the gospel Peter as he stood and as he was praying on the top of the roof and God showed him these different foods that he was that he knew he was not supposed to eat as a Jewish man. I imagine he showed him some, you know, he probably showed him some, some, some swine or 
bacon or something like that because they're not supposed to eat pork and some other kind of exotic birds and things like that, you know, reptiles and things. And I imagine that Peter, even the sight of these things on the kitchen table would have offended his sensibilities and offended the religious background that he was taught and say, my goodness, I would never go there. I would never, I would never touch that. That's just not me. I know better. And yet God responds to him and says, Peter, I need you to arise because what I am illustrating for you now is that there are people who you never thought you would hang out with. Oh my God. I'm going to preach it like I want to today. There are some places, Peter, there are some places, City Life Church, you never thought you would go in a million years. You never, I'm not talking about sinning now. I'm not talking about lowering your standard now. That's not what we're talking about. But I'm talking about there are some people and there are some situations and there are some places that you never thought you would ever be and people you never thought you would meet in the highest of the penthouse to the lowest of the crack house. There are, my God, there are people that God said if you've got a trailblazing spirit, come on now somebody, if you're willing, I'll put you in those places. Come on, somebody help me magnify Jesus right now. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place today. Hallelujah. 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 God is convicting the church. God is awakening the church. God is saying, I'm coming back and I'm coming real soon. Is there somebody today that believes that Jesus is coming soon? Oh, come on, church. I said, is there somebody today that knows that Jesus is coming soon? The Lord is coming soon and we are running out of time and we have run out of excuses and the time is now Peter arise and kill you've got to go and preach this gospel my Lord. And so today I have come with just one assignment today and that is to implant into your heart a trailblazing spirit. A trailblazing anointing. A mind and a heart that is willing to say Lord, wherever you put me God, I'm going to be a light. Wherever you send me God, I'm not going to be ashamed of the gospel. Oh God, I repent for the time I wouldn't talk about you. I repent, God, that I might have been ashamed to say I was a believer. I repent, God, that I withheld that word for fear of rejection or fear of hate. But, God, from this day forward, I feel the Holy Ghost. From this day on, God, you can trust me, Lord, because I'm willing, God, to open up my mouth, God. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. If you believe it, shout amen. If you believe it, shout Amen. Hallelujah. We've got the truth. What was Peter preaching on that day? I'm just about to. What was Peter preaching on that day? I'll tell you what he wasn't preaching. He wasn't preaching philosophy. Hey, my God. He wasn't preaching the latest, uh, you know, uh, the latest findings on the horoscope. 
He wasn't preaching whatever was being talked about in the media. He wasn't saying uh, political things. He wasn't talking about a lot of other stuff. He, he, he wasn't talking psychology. He wasn't, but I'll tell you what he was preaching when he was there in Cornelius' house. And he's filled uh, with, with, with a group of unbelievers and people who, who had no, no background at all in this. And he gets up and he starts to preach. I'll tell you what he didn't preach. He didn't give them no little TED talk, you know, with those are, huh? A little TED talk. He, he didn't go there and just, you know, just smile at them, give them a thumbs up and say, hey, you know what, you guys are doing good. And hey, here are a few, you know, little motivational quotes for you, you know. Uh, he, he didn't go there and, and just hey, hold a little pep rally and say, all right, you know, let's all hold hands here and sing kumbaya. You know, that's not what he did. He got in front of them and he began to preach Jesus. Oh, my God. He began to talk about how the great I am, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'll preach myself into a Holy Ghost fit right now. He said the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob removed himself from the royal courts of heaven. And he stepped down into this broken and messed up world. This is Pastor Jacob's version. But that's basically what he said. He came down into this broken and messed up world. And he hung on a tree because curses any man who hangs on a tree. How many of you are thankful we sang about the cross? How many of you are thankful for the cross today? Come on up here. Piano play. Oh, I'm thankful for he stood up there and he began to preach the unadulterated, unfiltered, unwatered down, undiluted word of God. And as he began to preach, that place began to shake in the power of God. Oh, as he began to say what thus saith the Lord, as he began to preach, how many of you know we've got the right message? Oh, we got the message, my brother. And it's the message that the world needs to hear. They don't want to know our opinions. They don't need to know our philosophy. They need to know that there is a God who so loved the world. My God, where's my help today? There is a God who so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's what this world needs to hear. My God, now's not the time, church, to water it down. Now's not the time to sell it out. We've got to get this truth in our hearts. The truth is what's going to set people free. Jesus said, you shall know the truth. Somebody shout truth. Come on, shout it again. Shout truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. There's only one thing that we ought to preach, and it's the truth. Not everybody wants to hear it, but it's the truth. Not everybody's going to be ready, but it's the truth. But God sent me here today to say, get the truth in your heart. Get the truth in your spirit, and get a trailblazing spirit, and I will put you in places. I'm speaking prophetically right now. I will put you in places and in front of people you never imagined and in front of Adam. I feel I'm going to prophesy right now. God said I'm about to open up a door for somebody. Some of you in this place have been praying for a door to open in someone's home and in their house and you've been trying to figure out every which way how to get in and you know they need to be saved. You know they got one son on drugs. 
virgin, another daughter about to run away, whatever the case might be. And you know that you have the key. You've got the answer that can set them free. The Holy Ghost wants you to know that you're right on the verge of seeing a breakthrough. You've got to keep praying, brother. My God. You've got to keep praying, sister. You've got to, oh, 